morning, gentlemen. So, it's not too bad. We're only a week out from the Mishnah. We're still trying to figure it out. The Mishnah said that... Good morning, Steve. The Mishnah said that I would have thought that... Uh, in a place where there's a mitzvah of Yibam, all of a sudden you're allowed to marry an erva, a woman who's normally forbidden to you, your daughter, your mother-in-law, uh, your wife's sister. And therefore, the Mishnah had to tell you, no, even though mitzvah uh, Yibam is a great mitzvah, because the Zagmora said we have the Pasuk in Aleha, that uh, you can't do it. So the question the Gemara has been grappling with is why would we have all of a sudden thought that a woman who's totally forbidden to you, all of a sudden, because there's a mitzvah of yibam, that would be permitted. So uh, most of the way, we were going with essay do chalos essay, that uh, you, the, when the Torah gives you a command, you go with it. And that, so God doesn't contradict himself. If he tells you to do it, maybe he pulls away all the stops. But we don't really know. Maybe he only told you to do it when it wasn't your wife's sister or when it wasn't your daughter. How do we know? But uh, the latest theory it's, uh, that we've said is uh, we, uh, on the bottom of 7b, we're on the last line, which is hoyova uh, ishtari ishtari. Once the Torah permitted something, it's like, um, in some ways, this is like the word hutra. Like the Torah says, don't worry about it. Marry this woman, forget about everything else. What do you mean, marry this woman? I never proposed to her. I never married her. She's my brother's wife. I got lots of reasons that I can't just marry this woman. You know, but the Torah says, no, jump into her bed. She's yours. What do you mean? Hoyo the history, history. She's my mother-in-law. She's my wife's daughter. She's this, she's that. The Torah permits yivum. Don't ask any questions. Once it's permitted, it's permitted. And we brought another example uh, where the Torah lets the... Um, uh, a uh, person who's uh, Mitzorah, who's out to purify himself, usually we don't let those people in the base of Migdash. Uh, and uh, he needs to go and stick his thumbs in and his big toe. I don't Only know. One thumb. one thumb, correct. That's right. Thumb up, right? One thumb and one toe. Uh, and the problem is, what if he had another Tumah? And we said, well, once he's permitted, he's permitted. That's what we wanted to say. So that's, what, that's the latest theory is that once you're allowed, you're allowed. Once you're permitted, you're permitted. Once you could take your mask off, you know, anything goes, right? That's how we want to say So, So the more it says, me dummy little So the more it wants to say, how do you compare one case uh, to the case of Ula? Why? Uh, one second. Yeah. I uh, understand... If he got the person, um, there's two brothers here. There's one brother that dies, okay? So he's one, uh, the, the one that married uh, the, um, the one that married the sister, well, the 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 deceased brother got married first, and then the live brother, the one that's living, he got married. And then the the dead brother dies. The migu since the ishri iser ashes ach. Once we take off the iser of being his brother's wife, ishri nami iser achos isha. Then we could take off the iser of being his wife's sister. 
In other words, this idea that once something is permitted, it's permitted, it would work if you, uh, if you go in that order. Ella, the Nasachai, but if the, the one brother, the one that's living, got married first, so that this woman that he married is, um, um, uh, he gets married first, and then the brother that's going to die, he gets married second. So, Isser Achos Isha, in this case, the, um, the, this woman was forbidden to him. His wife's sister came first. Um, in other words, it, if the brother that's alive now um, got married first, so he, had, he wasn't, um, he's already usher to that woman because that's his wife's sister. If the other brother got married first, so then it's the Isser of Achos Isha, his wife's sister, is coming second. So we could understand that what, which thing is the Torah permitting? The Torah is permitting his brother's wife. So if the, um, if the permission for the brother's wife comes at the same time as the, the wife's sister, so when one falls away, it's like the parachute. The other one drops away. Um, let's see uh, Rashi, uh, second line from the top. Uh, and then the live brother gets married second, and he marries the sister. And so by marrying the sister, he's adding to this woman, See, now it's first, if the live brother gets, if the dead brother, how do you say dead brother gets married? But the brother that's going to die first got married first. So um, this woman is first his brother's wife before anything. It's just his, his brother's wife. But that's the only reason he can't marry her. Then when he marries her sister, it becomes the second Isser, his brother's wife, plus his wife's sister. So, but if that's the, the order, first it, she's forbidden brother's wife. Then she's also forbidden because I married her sister. So then it's his brother's wife and his sister. And so when the brother's wife goes through the parachute, so then the, the wife's sister could go through the parachute. But if it didn't work out that way, if uh, he, the live brother gets married first and he marries the sister. So that other woman, even before it was his brother's wife, she was forbidden to him because that's his wife's sister. Let's finish the Rashi. Um, and it's adding the Isra of his wife's sister to his brother's wife. And his brother dies without kids. Three lines from the top in Rashi. And the Torah takes off the Isser of marrying your brother's wife because the brother died without kids. The later thing that added to that, which is the wife's sister, falls off like Ula. Like Ula said, once you're permitting him to come in to get rid of his saras, shehi rishona, huter lekarav. In other words, it has to be that the heter is, the Torah is removing the first thing, the first problem, and then the second problem is going to fall off. But, let's do the next verse. But if the living brother married the wife first, and then even before this wife's sister met the brother, She's his wife's sister, and then the brother marries her. 
it adds to the Isser of being the brother's wife to the Isser of being the wife's sister. And what, you can remove the second Isser, but the first Isser is already there. And so this idea of once you take it off, you take it off, it has to go in a certain order. And so we're saying it really would depend on uh, who got married first, which brother married uh, one of the two sisters first. That's, that's what the Gemara wants to say. Otherwise, um, so, um, uh, uh, the, otherwise it, it wouldn't work. Let's read the words. Everything works out good. We're on the very top line of 8a. Everything works out good if the deceased brother got married first. Uh, and so this woman first became forbidden to him as a brother's wife. And then he said, oh, that lady that is my brother's wife, it's such a nice family, I want to marry her sister. And then the living brother marries the sister, Demigu. Now, the, then the first sister, Demigu, the first sister is the problem she's married to his brother. Well, that becomes permitted when the brother dies without children. So then the second sister, this latest logic that you can marry an erva is once the first one calls, it's domino, the domino theory. Once one falls, the other one falls. El But if the live brother got married first, and then the brother that died, that's eventually going to die, gets married, in this case, uh, the woman was already his wife's sister. And even if the dead brother then gets married, um, um, and even if the dead brother got married first, if let's say he got married and then he died, uh, and then the live one married the uh, sister, at least there was a time when the live one could have married her, uh, married the Yavama without having her be the wife's sister. But if the deceased brother um, got married first, and then the live brother marries the sister, in this particular case, the woman would never have uh, be really available to marry because from day one, she was his wife's sister. Wouldn't Ula admit? And what is the analogy to the case of Ula of the Tsaras? Uh, let's take it back over there. If he had, had a seminal mission on the night of the 8th, um, he, then he would not be able to stick his thumb in uh, or his big toe. Because then he never really had a chance uh, to bring an offering. The whole idea was that he could have gone in and then shucks. He, he, he uh, has a problem. So... Um, once the, the, uh, we ignore one problem, we can ignore the other. But uh, the, um, uh, in a case where he never had a time where he was allowed to go in, uh, so then the other issue wouldn't fall off. So uh, what came out is um, we were looking for a new theory as to why the Isra Erva would fall off. And we ran across Ula by the case of the Mitzorah. And we found out that Ula has an idea that the, the domino theory, once one Isser falls off, the other does. So we want to say the same thing here, that once the Isser Eshesach falls off, then the Isser Achos Isha falls off, domino theory. So, but then we said, no, wait a second, that depends on the order. 
it has to be that the first problem with the woman is that she's married to your brother. So when that falls away, the next one will. But if, it's the, if the order is different, if this woman was, even before your brother married her, she was your wife's sister. Uh, well, I mean, she was the, the woman, you married the wife and that wife had the sister, right? So then that, it's, the domino theory won't work, at least as far as removing the Yisr. So therefore, this theory bites the dust. Um, the, um, uh, so, uh, uh, well, uh, uh, this theory would only work in, in one scenario, and it, the Mishnah didn't differentiate between who got married first. And so this, this theory, so Ella, ki itzrikolau, so uh, maybe we would, according to this, we would only need Allaha, heka denosa mesu mes, if the dead brother got married first, so she wasn't your wife's sister. And he died first, and so his wife was totally okay. But meanwhile, you married your sister. B-boy um, uh, that, would, that would be the only case you would need a leha, which it, it didn't imply that, but we're, we've narrowed it down to a very narrow case. Or, E-boy if you want, we would learn it from Reb Yonah's rule. What's that? Reb Yonah's rule. Torah says like this, uh, there is a certain commonality of people who marry a relative, or marry a woman who's forbidden to him. Who's the, the, these are called disgusting things. It's a disgusting thing to commit incense, in, incest. <laughs> to commit incest. It, it's, they're, they're all disgusting. Now, what do you mean? One is... One's mother, one's one's mother-in-law, one's one's daughter. Uh, but the Torah compares them all. Uh, in one big, it, the Torah says, don't marry a relative, but my if you're telling me in this case, we're ignoring the fact that this woman is highly related to you, uh, I would have thought also in this case, that uh, all the uh, arayas become permitted. That's why we need a leha to say not so fast. Uh, again, this is, Yibam is very uncomfortable here. This woman, what do you mean? I should take her for my wife. She's my brother's wife. She's related to me. I, a, a relative is that uh, the marriage is with someone who doesn't, doesn't, isn't related to you. So, but the Torah is saying, don't, you know, we're not paying any attention to the erva. Torah is saying that don't pay attention. Well, there's actually a whole bunch of cases of erva, so we won't pay attention to any of them. It's kind of the it's it's the uh, that's that's the uh, way Reb Yonah wants to express why I would have thought it's okay. So, um, let's see if the Gemara likes this answer or not. Um, and again, we're still tweaking this same idea that's really somewhat controversial of why we would have thought the erva was okay. This is, uh, before we, it was like the domino theory, and we're saying, well, then it would depend on the order. This isn't the domino theory, this is the heckish theory, that it's, it's like they're, they're a package deal. The Torah says over here that, that, that don't worry about the erva. So once you tell me you don't worry about the erva, there are, it doesn't matter how she's related, don't worry about it. There's a mitzvah of It's so uh, interesting that the Yonah's heckish is just for the Hanumina. Right. Like, he's making a heckish just... Right what you might think, and that's why you need Aleha not to say that heckish. Right, right. Now, so it's used for other things. Oh, oh, oh. In other words, they're, they're compared in other oh, ways. He's saying the fact that the Torah compares them all, they're all disgusting. Right? They're, all, they're all, oh, all included in the same, uh, same, uh, same thing. 
He said to Ravina, Mikti, let's see. You could compare them to a Shesach, which is permitted in this case. Or you could look to the wife's sister. Why would you compare them to Achosisha and say it's forbidden? Look at a Shesach and permit it. Or well, one's a leniency and one's a strictness. Wouldn't we go with the strict one and say, maybe not? Or if you want, you could say, In both cases, there are two things that are forbidden. We can learn out. But if it's only the brother's wife, you wouldn't learn out two to one. Rava uh, Omar, what we're seeing is multiple reasons over here. He says, Erva lo uh, To tell you that he can't marry his wife's sister, you don't need a Pasuk. Because a, a, a mitzvah of Yibam wouldn't push away a Erva. Ki itzrikra l'meisersara. This is a whole new theory. We've been spending seven pages telling you why I would have thought you could marry this woman. Rava says, I would have never thought you could marry this woman. You, you would never have thought you could marry your mother-in-law, your daughter, your wife's sister. There's no, we would have never thought that. But the reason that we need the Pasuk is for the co-wife. The co-wife is not the erva. In other words, that's where you need the Pasuk. Uh, you, you, we kind of spoke about it like there's this channel of Yibam. There's the, the door is opening. So we're saying, well, since the door, one of the wives isn't eligible, the other wife isn't eligible. Why? I would have thought just because you can't marry the one that uh, you're related to, you could marry the other one. So that's where you need Aleha to tell you that you can't marry the Tsar. That almost seems like an obvious answer at, at, at this point. Uh, but uh, that, that's what he's saying. We, we really never would have thought that you could, even though we had lots of nice, you know, once we put our, our, uh, the work to it, we started to say reasons we might have thought you could marry the forbidden woman. We're saying no. Rava says, I would have never thought you could marry the forbidden woman. The only reason we need a laha is for the co-wife. Um, so the Morris says, are you sure I would have never thought you could marry the forbidden woman? The erva, the lo srikekra, you don't need a pustic to tell you that? Vahayatanya, didn't we learn the following? Ain li elahi. Ain li ahi mishum sirasa. Let's get there's a version here. Vahayatanya, ain li elahi. Mishum. It says that um, I only know that she's forbidden, mishum sirasa, because of her co wife. The first one is a proof. Uh, he wants to say, because it says, Ainli Elahi Mishum Sarasa. I only know there's a problem with the co-wife because she's a co-wife of one that's forbidden. So you see clearly that um, this answer is saying that we only need Aleha to tell you he can't marry the co-wife. So, but then the Gemara says, but that's not our version. Both of them. So uh, now 
Um, that's going to be the question. Do we need the Pasuk to uh, uh, tell you that she's forbidden, the, the one that's the, the, the wife's sister, or do you just need it for the co-wife? So Tashma. Rabbi Omar, Balaka, Balaka, Vayavma, Vayivma. There are two psukim. What does it come to teach you? To tell you both are forbidden, the erva and the co-wife. So what do you see? You see that the er- you do need a pasuk for the co-wife, for the erva. So Ema, Lemur says you could read it to say, You could say, no, it only means for the co-wife, not the forbidden one. Lemur says, What do you mean only for one? Aren't we bringing two psukim? Aren't there two limudim here? So the Lord said, "My love, Chadla Erva. One of them is coming to uh, tell you the, their mitzvah of the Erva, v'chadla Tzara, and one for the Tzara." The Lord said, "No, Adi Adi Tzara. Both of them are talking about the co-wife. Chadla Meisher Tzara b'Makam Mitzvah. One is coming to tell you the co-wife is forbidden when she falls to Yibum. V'chadla Mishri Tzara Shalob b'Makam Mitzvah. But if she would be a co-wife and not b'Makam Mitzvah, it would be okay." In other words, if somebody was once a co-wife, you, a person would meet a woman many, uh, many, many years later, and he and likes her and says, "Oh, and they they play Jewish geography," and he said, "Oh, I was married to a guy that was married to your daughter once," you know, so he could still marry her even though she was once a co-wife of his daughter. It's only if uh, she was a co-wife together with his daughter, and then the the brother died, and they both fell to Yibam b'Makam Mitzvah. <coughs> My timer, uh, what would the reason be? It's because it says, that Sarah only becomes forbidden when she falls uh, to Yibam together with the one that's forbidden. If it wouldn't be Yibam, the other one would be permitted. Uh, is this forced or not? This explanation, he says, no, actually, the wording of the Mishnah fits this very well. Why? Because it says, it says these 15 women exempt their co-wives from Yibam. It should say they themselves are exempt. No, obviously they're exempt. You would never think of marrying your daughter, your wife's sister, your daughter, your mother. So it's, it's obvious from the wording, it says these 15 women exempt the other wife from thinking about Yibam. Don't even think about it because she's a co-wife to the Tzar. It doesn't say Peturos Upotros Lokatani. It doesn't say they're Pater and they exempt the other women. Shmamina. So this again, this is a new type kind of thought that the focus is not on the forbidden woman. Of course, the forbidden woman is not open to evil. The focus is on the co-wife of the forbidden woman. And that's what the Mishnah comes to say. But we have to do some fancy footwork with some of the wording in all the places to make this explanation work. So then the Gemara says, Umaishna erva de los And why is there a difference? You're telling me I don't need a pasuk to tell you that there's no yibam for the forbidden woman. Because I would have no havamina, no thought that you could marry a woman that was forbidden to you by the penalty of being cut off to do yibam. Saranami loti boykra. You shouldn't need a uh, pasuk for the tzara. Mishum the tzara also um, is an sheish bokaris. So Amar le Rav Acha Bar Bibi, what's that word? Amar Bar Rav Acha Bar Bibi Mar Leravina. That's the Hachamar Mishmei Rabba. Sora Nami Lo Itzikra. You're right that in this case, 
since there's no mitzvah of, basically, there has to be a mitzvah of yibum to take off the isrkaris, meaning that when the brother uh, has a wife, that wife is forbidden to all of his brothers, and somebody be cut off if they take their brother's wife. But we know when there's a mitzvah of yibum that takes off the chorus. But since one of the wives is not eligible, there's nothing to take off the Yisra chorus. So the Gemara now is, is saying, of course you can't marry even the co-wife, because <laughs> there's nothing to take off the Yisra chorus. So why, do I, why would I even need... Um, so again, we have this Pasuk of Aleha to tell you that there's no mitzvah of Yibam when the woman is forbidden. And we've been struggling with why do we need to tell you there's no mitzvah of Yibam when the woman's forbidden, of course it's for So then we said it's for the co-wife. Now the more is saying, isn't it obvious even the co-wife there's no mitzvah of yibam? That's the question right now. So You're right. Now the more backtracks and says, you're right, I would know that even when, if there's a forbidden woman involved, you don't even need to possibly tell you can't marry the co-wife. Ki itzrekra... When do you need a pasuk lemishri sarah shaloba makamitzvah to tell you that you can marry the co-wife as we turn the page uh, when she's not falling to you in evil? My timer. What's the reason? I'm a cry. Aleha, Allah b'makam Allahu da'aser. When she falls to yibum, she's aser. Shaloba makam Allah. If she wouldn't be falling to yibum, not in that scenario, then she'd be permitted. So Amale, that's what the Gemara wants to. Uh, basically, we're using it. For the case where a person again is, was was once a co-wife together with a forbidden woman, uh, he's still allowed to marry her even though she was once a co-wife with an erva. Well, maybe the erva herself, even if she doesn't fall to yibum, will be permitted. And why would I say that? So now it's going to get a little complicated, having to do with the sister. Uh, because even though one's not allowed to marry one's wife's sister, if a person's wife were to pass away, then they could marry the sister. So the question here, so let's see. The wife's sister, when she falls to Yibam, you're not allowed to marry. But if uh, not at this moment, at some later moment, if his wife were to die, she'd be permitted. So Amr Leit Saratokia. He says, well, don't you see from the co-wife that uh, she would then become permitted. The whole reason is because the sister's alive. But Chayah tells you that after the sister dies, she's okay. So Morris says, we know that from a different part of the Pasuk. Because it says, don't marry... Um, don't make your wife uncomfortable by taking her sister. Don't take that. Uh, it's only if you have a live wife that has a sister. But if you would, if the wife passed away, that's not taking the sister on the wife. So it's clear from that passage. But what about if you dump the wife? Can you dump the wife and take the sister? The whole reason you can't take the sister is the Torah says, don't take the sister on top of the wife. Simultaneously. simultaneously. But what if you just divorce the wife? Maybe I would have thought that's okay because uh, the wife isn't in the marriage to be bothered by the fact that you took the sister. So actually, when you think about it, if you say the logic is that you're, uh, you're interfering with a natural relationship, so marrying somebody's ex would definitely interfere with a, a natural relationship. Mar- marrying the ex's 
or the ex's sister, right. She definitely isn't going to appreciate that. Uh, you know, she has a good relationship with the sister, and, and uh, now this guy divorced her, and the, the, and the sister it, it wouldn't be, um, they would be consider that a kind of betrayal, like, uh, to do that. So, but uh, how do you know that that's not okay? He's divorced, though. It's not going to uh, affect his marriage, because it says, Kosh only uh, it's only us who while she's alive. But divorcing alone doesn't permit. So it comes out we need both part of that pasuk. It says a woman uh, on her sister don't take a, uh, a, a marry a wife's sister as a competition. And then there's another pasuk. Uh, to reveal the nakedness of one sister on top of the other. The chad mashma, that implies only one. Uh, that, um, that implies that uh, there's a case where it'd be okay. Ketza, mitzvah shtei If uh, they fall to yibam, you can't take, they're both forbidden. Shalom mitzvah, if it's not a makam mitzvah, he asurus It's only her and not the co-wife. Um, and so this this is the concept that we're saying that it, if um, if there's yibum and one of the women is forbidden, they're both forbidden. Uh, if it's if it's not yibum, shalobam mitzvah, it's only the um, it's only the uh, the the one that fell to yibum that would be uh, it's only the erva that's forbidden, whereas the co-wife is forbidden. So Morris said, well, how? What's uh, how do you know that that's the logic? Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe we would permit the co-wife Where would you be most likely to want to allow something when there's a mitzvah of yibam? That we're saying this mitzvah of yibam is so important, and yet we're not allowing the co-wife if she's a co-wife during yibam, but we're allowing the co-wife at a different time. Somebody who who uh, never felt a yibam but happened once to have been a co-wife doesn't doesn't bother us. Isn't the logic the other way around? That if we're going to permit a co-wife, let's permit her b'makam yibam and not permit her shalom b'makam yibam. So the Lord said, "Nikain lo yomer Allah. But that's where the word Allah tells you that it's only during the yibam. Omer le Rav Ashi my isur. How do you know Allah is coming to forbid something? Maybe the word Allah on her comes to permit something. And how would you read it to be permissive? Uh, a, a woman to her sister, never marry a sister on top of one sister. Don't take her and don't even take a co-wife that was married at the same time as your sister. Uh, when there's a... Um, uh, when you can't marry one, you can't marry the co-wife. But if there would be a mitzvah to marry one, you could marry either one. So the Gemara says, When would there be? Uh, when would it be forbidden to marry? If you're telling me that when there's a mitzvah, they're both okay. They're both not okay. So therefore, we like the explanation the way we said it. Okay, it's, it's a little bit complicated, but it's really just working the. Russia through. Gufa. Right, we're at the two dots. Uh, Rabbi Omar. Rabbi says, uh, There's, again, there's multiple psukim. 
What does it come to teach you? It comes to forbid uh, both, uh, both, uh, both things. You can't marry the forbidden woman, and once you can't marry, there's a mitzvah of yibam. That's only to a non-relative. But once there's a, a relative involved, an, uh, an erva, so it comes to forbid the erva, and it also comes to forbid the co-wife. Gemara says, but where does the Pusik say something about a co-wife? Mini stars, Ksiv? Uh, does it say Saras? Ksiv Hacha, does it say that? V'od, Saras, Melitzra, Nafka. Saras, we always learn out from the word Litzra, multiple wise. So the Gemara says, Litzra, Mapik, Valei, Rabbi, Lerib, Shimon. Rabbi, that Pusik is not extra over here. We need that for the teaching of Rev Shimon, uh, which is going to be a really fun case, which we're not going to do right now because we're going to have it in three weeks. <laughs> it's about three wives marrying two sisters. One of those more complicated cases. Sara hachaksiv. Over here, it just says Sara, one co-wife. Hachakamar. In Cain, Lamer Kravo Lacha. It could have just said he takes, it takes, he could have said Velacha, he takes her. My Velacha Plural. He's only married one wife. Why does it say he takes them? Whenever he could ta- marry either one, the boy brother's wife, he could take whichever one. To him, it's all the same. Whichever one he's supposed to take. So hi Sharya, then he can take one. The but if he can't marry both, and he can't take either one. That that's the logic that we're saying over here. How we know that when you can't marry one, you can't marry the co-wife. And he does It's only he can't marry her if she falls to Yibam. If it wouldn't be during a Yibam exchange, Shari should be permitted. Shari What do they do with this word? They use it for a different Russian. So, like this. What happens? He's, he's a hero. He's going to marry the brother's wife. And so he marries her, and then he decides that they can't get along. He never uh, doesn't really... didn't, uh, And so he's allowed to give her a get. So what happens if he changes his mind many years later and wants to remarry her? Uh, so a person, as, as long as the woman doesn't get married in between, they're allowed to, uh, to somebody else, they're allowed to remarry their divorced wife. That's called Maxi Grushoso. So the question here is, uh, when he married her the first time, she was his brother's wife, but the Torah said there's a mitzvah of Yibam. But he, didn't, he had the mitzvah then. He finished. He did the mitzvah of Yibam. He might have even had a kid. And then they got divorced. And now he decides to marry her a second time. He said that marriage, that was for the mitzvah of marrying his brother's wife. <laughs> now he wants to marry again because he likes her. But right now, she's someone who was once married to his brother. So can he marry her a second time? Uh, because she's still his brother's wife. But there's no longer a zakuka. Correct. So uh, that comes to teach you that he is allowed to remarry her. Because once she, turned, she was no longer his brother's wife, but his wife. So she's never his brother's wife again in that way. And so... Right, so then he's okay. So her being his grusha overrides the zakusha. Sort of, if you want to say it that way. Okay. What do we learn from the word v'yivma? 
The word Reivma means he doesn't have to ask her when he does the Yivam. Meaning that he, um, he uh, that normally you propose, a person proposes to a woman and uh, uh, before they would have relations, they, they would ask. Uh, Yivam doesn't work that way. Yivam is even without asking. Um, the Reb, uh, the Reveder, that's what we learned for Yivam means so most people say that if she locks the door, he's not allowed to break the door down. That wouldn't be appropriate. The question is more, if he went ahead and did it without asking, uh, would, it, would the mitzvah have been fulfilled? And again, this is a very uncomfortable relationship. They knew each other as uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law. They really, uh, uh, and uh, they, they kind of like want to get the even over with. They're doing it for the sake of mitzvah in the dark and... Uh, uh, they, 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 uh, he doesn't necessarily tell her he's jumping in her bed. And uh, he finds out later that she really was planning on you know, asking for chalitza, but he didn't ask. So uh, the question there is, does the yibam work when she officially didn't say, go ahead? So uh, we say the means that it works, al-karka, whether, uh, whether she agreed to it or not. Uh, the Rebbe, the Rebbe Yossi how does he know that? Mele Isha Nafka. From the word Isha, um, uh, how, how does he darshan the Pasik? So, Mele Isha Nafka, Al Korcha. From Isha, he learns the first thing that um, that he can't, if either, if he can marry one, he marries both. Uh, nafka. And how does he know Al Korcha? He learns that from the Pasik Yavo Yavola. I, why didn't Rebbe learn for there? Hi, Aleha, my Avidle. What does he do with that Aleha? Again, we've got a number of psukim, and we've got to make sure to see what each one tells us. Miboyle, he uses that for a different Russia. Look at it, Tanya. What's that? Ain't Chaivin Basin, Aladavish, Estona Chorus, Vishokhatos. And we'll get into that Russia uh, tomorrow about uh, this uh, second, uh, uh, what he does with the Aleha.